Welcome to Ranch Girl Rants Podcast, where a couple of cowgirls talk about pretty much everything. Social issues, current events, true crime cases, ranch living, and we even delve into the hunt for Bigfoot. This podcast may contain strong language and is suitable for mature audiences. Hey, welcome to Ranch Girl Rants. Um, I've taken the wheel of this baby for this episode because my partner's on vacation until the end of August. So um, I've got the wheel, and uh, what I decided to do was uh, give my veterinarian a call, Dr. Sarah Lynn Speck, and she is going to provide some very important information, um, some heat-related issues with animals, uh, some vaccine information. So go ahead and sit back and listen, and I hope you um, derive as much information out of it as I did, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, well, on the phone, I have Dr. Sarah Lynn Speck. Sarah Lynn, are you there? I'm here. And Sarah Lynn, at the moment, has just saved the life of a goat um, <laughs> from the Yuba Sutter Fair, and she has this goat <laughs> in the cab of her truck, and she's transporting this little goat to her parents' place in Sonoma County. So, And the goat's a good passenger so far, huh? Oh, he's an angel right now. Not a not a peepers. My cat travels worse than him. Oh, that's so funny. How big is it? How much does this goat weigh? Uh, I think they lost weight him in around sixty pounds. But he's getting bigger for oh, sure. Wow. And he's gonna go. He's gonna live amongst donkeys and horses and be happy forever after. Yeah, so. his name's Prince, and I I always tell the. Um, the previous owner, he's like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's oh. going to the high life now. Yeah, there he goes. Going to the <laughs> Bay Area, baby, right? You're going from the lowland, hot uh, Yuba Sutter area, which we all know is like another planet compared to the to Sonoma County. So, well, good. And I'm sure, I'm sure Prince will enjoy the weather uh, much better in Sonoma County than in, in the hell of, you know. Is, is the, the previous owner, is the... the FFA girl, does she um, live in Yuba City or Marysville or in the hills? Or No, she lives in Yuba City uh, in town, and he was kept at the uh, Yuba High School. So oh. he's going from a, a little kennel doghouse to now a nice big pasture um, with a horse and a couple donkeys. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. How long have you been a vet? Oh, gosh, let's see. Over five years now, I graduated from UC Davis, and I ended up actually moving back to my hometown, and I worked there for four years as a large animal practitioner mm -hmm. um, doing mobile veterinary work where you go out to the, to the farms um, and see your patients out in the field. And then uh, my boyfriend and I moved over to Butte County last May. And I started my own large animal mobile practice, and then I also work at a small animal clinic too. Yeah, I was. I went there to get some medication. You just recently treated my mare that's, um, well, fat and has problems because of that. <laughs> she's, <laughs> I guess she's plump. <laughs> technically obese. <laughs> so, and uh, you're, we're treating her with a thyroid L, or it's a thyroid medication, and and I I yeah, asked yeah I asked Sarah Lynn I said well if if it's good for the horse will it work for me <laughs> so she says no I don't think you, I don't think you can take uh, 
course, uh, thyroid medicine. But, you know, hey, it's a question, you know, i got to ask. So it's, it's probably too high of a dosage. It's a tiny little scoop, you know, right. for the horses. Think if you took that. Gosh. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It might be a super model by next week, you know. Come on. I mean, I'm willing to try anything at this point. So, okay, so she, Sarah Lynn has, has been so kind to donate some of her time to um, address some issues that are related to the hot weather that we're having right now in the summer um, in 2019 here in Yuba and Sutter and Butte counties and elsewhere, surrounding areas up to 104 some days. And then, of course, we've had 108, 110. I've lived through those, and it's terrible. And so if it's terrible for people, it's terrible for animals. And I don't. I think, oh, yeah. I think people overlook that sometimes, just how miserable. And dog paws, walking on concrete, and, you know, you have to start thinking about the animals, that they're also suffering through the, the heat as well. So They are, yeah. There's, I mean, they're stuck out in the elements. Um, unless they have shade, even in the shade, you know, it's, it, it can still be triple digits. And it's been hot these last couple of weeks. So I've, I've seen a lot of colics um, and a lot of heat-stressed uh, livestock. Now, is, um, I know that typically the water trough, like mine, is open to the sun. Is the algae that builds in those, is that bad for the horses to drink? You can, you know, say you didn't clean your tank out, you know, a couple, like a one, at least once a week. Mm -hmm. You could have the buildup of a specific type of algae, like a blue-green algae, uh, which is toxic to um, cattle and horses and dogs as well. I know some dogs have gone to certain rivers um, that drink the water, even just a, a couple sips. If that water's been sitting there long enough, um, and has built up enough of those mycotoxins, um, it can build up in their system very quickly. But in general, you know, the, the biggest issue I see is if you don't have fresh, clean water, even moderate temperature water, say it's, it's really hot water, they don't want to drink it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it, you could go even, even just 24 hours, an animal not drinking enough water can set them up for heat exhaustion and um, colic and heat stroke too. And colic, and I'm sure people that are listening, if you're listening to this ranch rants, uh, you would probably know what colic is, but colic is basically, I mean, it's, it's a, horses can't throw up, so they get a, a stomach ache per se, and, and if you want to finish that definition of colic. Yeah, yeah, colic is, it's a very complicated um, disease in horses. It's refers to abdominal pain um, in origin, but anything can cause it almost. You can have intra-abdominal causes, meaning um, indigestion, you know, they, they can have a gas buildup or a gas, um, gas colic. They can have an impaction, meaning that they've dehydrated their guts and their, their fecal material gets uh, firm and hard enough that it stops moving through the colon. Um, they could have, you know, a, a dehydration colic. They don't have enough fluids that they're taking in versus what they're putting out, and it, it all feeds the gut. You could have extra abdominal causes of colic. It, something like pneumonia um, can actually cause colic because if an animal is sick um, with a respiratory disease or say they are suffering from, you know, trauma or a pain-related injury and they're not drinking enough, they're not eating enough, and they're in pain, that can actually change 
the function of the guts themselves and things slow down. It can change the hormones in the body and the hormone levels. So, you know, they end up feeling more pain and it can all lead to colic. So it's a very complicated um, disease that's not caused by just one thing, and unfortunately. Also, and also, as I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, when I used to compete with, with my horse Margarita and like play days and whatnot, and you were, were, you know, you're working the horse a little more excessively than you normally do, like on a trail ride, and they're sweaty and hot, that I've, I understand that you're not to give them a lot of water right away when they're still hot, um, just kind of like a little, little bit at a time, correct? I mean, if you give them too much water, could that also activate a colic kind of a situation? If they're really hot yeah. and, and, and yeah, tired. you know, it's it's funny. I I'm more the the matter that if it's regulated temperature water, not cold ice water, mm -hmm. um, or not you know super hot water, just a normal ambient temperature, it's fine for them to drink as much as they want. So they it's not it. the volume. Um, of, it's not the volume of water that's the the that's exactly. The it's yeah. the it's the temperature um, of the water. Okay. And so I, I'm more for if you have a, a dehydrated animal, take them to water and let them drink. Um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, old wives' tales not to let your horse drink water immediately after a hot work, not to hose them down immediately. But it's more of the temperature um, that you're giving them, whether it's a hose or if they're drinking from a bucket. Um, you don't want to drop their temperature down so suddenly because mm -hmm. um, you can actually cause a lot of muscle damage and uh, nerve damage too. So it's more if you want a gradual decrease in their temperature back to normal. So a regular hose temperature, like I know that when you first turn on a hose in the summer, it's hot, but then it, when it runs a while, it gets to a cool temperature. That's okay. That We're probably thinking more along the lines of too cold would be like in the winter if you are running your horse and then and the horse becomes pretty heated, and then you have that freezing water that's in the lines, right? I mean, a, a normal cool water temperature in a hose, typical is fine, would you would you say? Or Yeah, that would be fine. Um, and usually that's what I recommend for people to do. You, you have to watch yourself when you're filling up buckets, too. Mm -hmm. um, put your hands under that hose. You could severely burn your hands, mm -hmm. especially now. I've been filling up some... Um, water buckets just to go feed my plants and it's just strikingly hot yeah so you don't want to be giving that to them and they'll turn their nose up at it too usually mm -hmm. um and if you know on the other extreme if it's severely cold water it'll shock their system and then um so the in the in, along the lines of colic so what, what are the symptoms of colic and then what what if what would you could you do if say you don't have a vet that's that's that is that close what would be some things that you would do or, or to prevent the horse from doing if they go into those symptoms? So, you know, colic can start as as mild as your horse just hmm, kind of turning its nose up at, some, at a meal mm -hmm. um, or just looking kind of lethargic. Um, it's always good to have an idea of where your water level was in the bucket um, so you know how much they have been drinking. Mm -hmm. um, and then the signs, you know, depending on the type of colic that they're experiencing, it can vary from just some lethargy and inappetence to a horse that is biting at its side, lifting its upper lip in the air, pawing, 
um, rolling, you know, frantic, violent rolling, a horse getting up and down, or one that's laying down for long periods of time that normally doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are escalating symptoms that you can witness in your horse. And you could keep them moving, and, keep them off the ground, keep them from rolling, kind of? Yeah, yeah. So when I have someone who calls me and says, hey, you know, my horse isn't doing well, I think it's colicking. And I'll ask them, well, what's it doing right now? And they'll say, well, it's, it's down, it's trying to roll. And I'll tell them, get it up, walk it in a safe area, um, and keep it walking until either I arrive mm-hmm. or I have some people who live pretty far away, like an hour away, and I, you know, I don't want that horse to be suffering until I get out there. And I tell them, go ahead, give them uh, a dose of banamine. Banamine is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, very similar to, you know, like an ibuprofen that we take, but I always tell people don't give human drugs to horses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have special veterinary products that are formulated for them, but banamine is a drug that's good for colic, and it can help with um, visceral or abdominal pain in horses, and I tell them to give a dose, walk that animal for 20 minutes um, to 30 minutes or until I arrive if they just won't stop trying to roll. Um, and then, you know, I have someone that if they can't do that or the horse looks exhausted, if they want to lay down and be quiet, I'm okay with that until I get out there. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard, I've heard remedies such as shooting mineral oil or oil in and into their nostril, down into their um, stomach through the nostrils or whatever. I've heard people do that. Is that help? Yeah. I get very nervous um, when people try and treat colic on their own. I would rather have someone call me and ask for advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never recommend for people to try and administer um, mineral oil on their own. If they want to give some fluids and try and just syringe into their mouth a little bit at a time, making sure that the animal's swallowing, mm-hmm. that's fine because they can aspirate into their lungs very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen some gnarly cases where an owner wanted to do something themselves and, and help their horse and unfortunately flooded their lungs with oil. Oh, um, and it's, it's very sad because once that happens, your prognosis for recovery is very poor. Wow. But, you know, in general, I tell people if you've taken your horse for a long ride or say it's a super hot day, I'm always telling my owners, you know, these days and posting on my Facebook page, hey, Give your horse a tea, give them a soupy mash at least once a day, and a soupy mash is any kind of pelleted feed that I tell people add enough um, water to it to make a, a nice soupy oatmeal kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe add a scoop of electrolytes or a, a tablespoon of salt so you rehydrate them with the essential electrolytes, just kind of like us having a Gatorade. Um, And then the salt makes them thirsty, so then that encourages the horse to drink more on their own. And then I tell people, you know, if you have an older horse or one that expended a lot of energy and sweat a lot, um, I like these little formulations called teas where I just take like a handful or two of any kind of pelleted feed or maybe some molasses uh, syrup and put it in a, you know, a two-gallon bucket of water and leave that with them, and they usually like that. So it's, se- um, it's seeds and water and molasses? Yeah, you know, seeds? it could be anything. Some horses love apple cider vinegar. 
And I tell people, go ahead and, you know, put like a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar in a bucket of water, or some horses really like carol syrup or molasses. Mm -hmm. Some really love their equine senior taste, and mm -hmm. I tell them just throw a couple handfuls in there or a little bit just to flavor the water, if right. you will. And then um, the betamine, I know I have some in my horse trailer, but does that stuff break down in a heat like that? Should it be replaced? Probably, it should probably be replaced, or is it, a, is it pretty okay to... Definitely no. You should. You can read on the um, on the bottles for any medications. There will be a suggested um, recommended uh, environment to keep it in. So you know, usually anything above 88 degrees is out of question and you know freezing yeah. temperatures and so everybody below. so all of you people out there that have bed of mine in your horse trailer dressing room like i do right now or tackle <laughs> you might want to yank it out of there and just keep it in your house until you're ready to go <laughs> keep it at a yeah at a, and check your expiration date oh my goodness many times i will come out and someone will say well i gave them some banamine it didn't do anything and i said go get the bottle let me look at it maybe like two years old wow yeah and then um, West Nile is another issue because of the mosquitoes. So what, what's the latest on that this year? I understand w there was a year up here that we were, they were telling us twice a year or you know, more often. So what, what, what are you seeing this, this time around? For the, how often should you do the West Nile? West Nile. Yeah, West Nile, we've had a few cases historically um, in the county. Oops. Sure, we had a couple horses that were diagnosed um, positive for West Nile, and in general, the consensus is for um, the equid species, they should first, you know, if you have a foal that has been born from a mare that was vaccinated, at six months of age, they can be vaccinated for the first time with the West Nile virus vaccine. Um, and then boosted in four to six weeks. So just like a lot of your other vaccines for your animals, you always have a booster about mm -hmm. a month later. And oh, then okay. thereafter, um, the vaccine, we don't have good research beyond um, about five months um, of being vaccinated. So honestly, twice a year is your best bet. If you can afford to do that, mm -hmm. you should vaccinate your horse twice a year with West Nile. Okay. And then... Um, hosing down a hot horse good or bad or you know that's another that's another tough one um i like to have them hosed down obviously not with super cold water um the thing to remember is if you let that dry on their body it actually kind of closes off the um ability of them to sweat properly because uh, it makes a mat over their their hair so you should either continue to hose them off, put a fan on them. Um, and I always recommend for people with a hot horse, walk them out. Don't let them stop. Mm -hmm. So it's not good to just let it air dry on them after you hose them? What was that? It's not good to let them air dry the after you hose them off. You should uh, keep keep wetting them down until they're, they're completely cooled off and they stop sweating. Is that... Yeah, I like them hosed off and then just walked out until they're... You can check their temperature often as you're cooling them off yourself. Mm -hmm. um, put them on, you know, if you have somewhere where they can be on a hot walker or, you know, in a contained area that forces them to move. Mm -hmm. um, and then until they look like their respiration rate's back down to normal. 
And what's that? What's the normal range for a horse temperature? Temperature is ninety-nine to one hundred one. Okay. Rattlesnake shots for dogs and for horse or for dogs. Um, what's the recommendation on that? An venom good thing, or as I know that it's not cheap, but if you get it, it's not cheap, but it's it's cheaper to vaccinate than to try and treat um, for a rattlesnake bite. The antivenom is very expensive. Um, the things for people and dog owners, horse owners, to remember is that just because they are vaccinated, though, doesn't mean that they they don't need to be seen by a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. The vaccine only gives them antibodies to the Western Diamondback rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does is it gears that immune system to be ready for any venom that ends up entering the body and it'll bind it and help neutralize that venom so it doesn't cause as severe of a response in the dog or the horse. But it won't completely prevent symptoms. That's the thing to remember is they can still get very sick they can still have a, a nasty skin infection from the bite. Um, they can still, you know, go into um, severe systemic compromise and actually die. But the vaccine usually decreases your symptoms in the animal and helps you get them to the vet easier mm-hmm. and decreases the amount of antivenom usually needed. So if, if you're out there on the trail with your dog and, and their dog gets bit, usually um, what would be the best thing to do for the dog? Um, and then what don't you do? I, I heard that you should not ice a snake bite site because it accelerates the venom. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. But what? So you're out on the trail and the dog gets bit, say, in the shoulder or whatever. Um, what would be the best thing to do for the dog at that point until you can get him to the vet? If you have the ability to rinse the leg off, you can, or wherever they got bit. Um, You know, what I've done is I've put Epsom salt gel. Um, It's a type of poultice on bites, and what it does is it's a drawing salve. It draws out fluid and edema, and my idea when I see horses that are bit or dogs that are bit, it's a good triage way of putting something on there that will hopefully draw out whatever was injected in. But once they've um, bitten an animal, the toxin's gonna start spreading. So you can bandage, if it's a leg, you can bandage it and try to keep the swelling down until you can get them to a vet. Um, And your first order of business is just trying to find a a way back to your car um, and a veterinary clinic nearby that you can get them to. And it's, um, a, it's an Epsom salt gel? Is that something you can buy or you mix? Or? It's something you can buy online now. I think some pharmacies carry it. I know the seed stores carry it. And it's basically Epsom salt mixed with some kind of like menthol um, and jelly consistency. So mm-hmm. it'll, it helps create a drawing salve action. Do you do you wrap that in there? You, you, you put that on the site and then you wrap that or do you just, just glob it on there? And I think wrapping it will help keep it in place and in the area that's been affected. Mm-hmm. So I usually recommend wrapping it. Um, if it's on the face, I put it on the face of, or the muzzle of horses 
Um, and then, the, you know, the other issue you have is if your dog's been bitten on the face or your, your horse has been bitten on the face, horses are obligate nasal breathers. So I tell people find a, a small hose or some kind of tubular structure you can stick up that affected nostril so they can continue to breathe. Because within the, the matter of like an hour, they can um, asphyxiate and not have a open airway. Mm -hmm. Benadryl, a good thing to give them if you don't have anything else or? Um... If you don't have anything else, yeah, Benadryl's great. It's an antihistamine. It's, um, it, will, it will help. Um, I tell people you can do like one adult dose if it's a large dog. If it's a smaller dog, a half a tablet um, is fine. And in general, though, they will need more intense medication. Mm -hmm. um, for treatment, but if that's what you have available, you can pop it in right away and then get them shipped off to the vet. Okay. Now, um, for obese horses, I know that you recommended a low-carb hay. I've discovered this hay for the, I've never heard of it, Tef hay. Um, so that the, it's the same concept, like with human diets or whatever. It's low-carb, high-protein, correct? It's good stuff to feed the horse if the horses are overweight yeah low starch low carb um kind of like the keto diet <laughs> right <laughs> the equivalent of bacon and eggs for horses right <laughs> yeah uh, so these it it is a lot like the keto diet though because you can you can feed fat good quality fat to your horses in the form of like rice bran pellets or um rice bran oil um, but in general, you want to feed a low-starch hay and low-starch grain because um, that will reduce their um, glucose in the blood. What's high-starch um, hay? What are some types of hay, common hay that are high-starch? Is alfalfa one? High-starch hay? Yeah. Yeah, it can be certain cuttings, uh, alfalfa, grain hay, um, even orchard grass hay. Um, Timothy hay is, is pretty low starch and safe to give. What I always tell people is if you don't have a, a guaranteed analysis done, if you don't have a hay analysis done um, and say you don't have access to a low starch hay and your feed store is like, what the heck is that? You can take your hay and soak it in a bucket of water for at least 30 minutes, whatever you're feeding the horse at that time. Um, say it's a flake, throw a flake in a bucket and then dump the water after 30 minutes and it's like soaking potatoes it draws the starches out okay. and you'll be feeding essentially a low carb hay huh and and don't do like i did and leave it in there too long because it gets pretty nasty <laughs> it gets nasty don't do don't do a whole bale <laughs> <laughs> well i didn't do that but let's just suffice it to say that it was in there a little too long and uh yeah, it was pretty gross. But um, well, um, is there anything maybe in terms of heat-related stuff for animals that you'd like to add um, that I didn't ask you, or any food for thought? Have you seen people do things that are no-no that are kind of common mistakes that people make before you get there? For anything, I mean, is there something that's like you're like, oh God, these people keep doing this, and I wish they wouldn't do that because it's bad information or bad habit or I think the most common thing I, I see is 
an owner with a horse that's, say, colicking or one that's painful or heat stressed, and they're like, well, Doc, I gave it banamine, and then it didn't get any better, so I went ahead and gave it some butte, too. Or they gave it two doses of banamine, and I go, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Yeah. More, more is not better. And combination of, with butte's bad? Banamine and butte are a bad combo? Yeah, you never want to give the two together. So it's, it would be like someone taking Tylenol and then also taking ibuprofen at the same time. You're going you're gonna to kill your liver. And in horses, you're going to rot their kidneys. Uh -huh. um, they, they, you can't overdose them very quickly. So less is more in these guys. Give your dose um, for the, according to their body weight of one single drug. And and if it's not better, you need to call your veterinarian. Right. Well, great. Hey, thanks a lot. And uh, how's how's little Prince Goat traveling back there? He's still sleeping or what? Oh, he, he hasn't said keepers. He's actually just kind of actually put his head up right now. He's sitting in the back. I wish you could see him. Uh, I'm sure it's completely adorable. I know my mother had one that was that ate everything on the property. Ate my nephew's moped. Everything but oh. the rims and the in the metal body of the moped was gone the rubber the rubber on the seat the the, the grips the, i mean this goat this goat ate everything as they do um they do that's terrible well well thank you for saving little prince we we appreciate it i'm sure all us animal lovers out there would find that adorable that you are saving this little goat and uh going to be in a very happy life and made a little ffa girl very happy so that's good. So you're doing yeah, your... Yeah, a happy you, ending for everybody. Thank you for having me on this show. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Yeah, well, right on. We, we certainly appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy. You're really hard to get a hold of, um, in, you know, not in any emergency situation. But if it's a non-emergency, I know you're, you're all over the place. So, um, <laughs> well, listen, you drive safe and... Um, we will talk to you soon. I'll probably call you. You might get you back on the show, and, and um, we'll think of some more topics because uh, I really appreciate your time, and this is good information. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you too, Denise. Thanks for having me. If you need Dr. Speck to respond to your ranch for a large animal issue, um, please call her at area code 530-565-6012. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast. You can look for it around the beginning of September when Jan returns. And once again, thank you very much for listening to Ranch Girl Rants.